I'm in a car. I'm in a car. Oh my gosh. I like this morning, I'm like, oh my god, I just got, I got it. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> I am in a car. Okay, great. Uh, we're doing another episode of I'm in a car. So thank you for, for being on the show. I got Ilya from uh, Focus 21. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure, man. So uh, like a true I'm in a car fashion, we kind of give the audience a little sense of who's on the show. So would you kind of give us maybe a 20, 30 second Cole's notes of where you've come from and kind of what you're up to these days? Yeah, sure. So I came originally from Russia. I was born in Russia. I came to Canada about uh, 11 years ago. Yeah. Uh, went to Conestoga College to study for software engineering technology. Um, then got my first co-op at a company called Intelligent Health Solutions. That's how I've met my co-founder, Jeff Armini. We worked together. I worked for him for about six years as a dev. Yeah. And then about four years ago, we founded Focus 21. Awesome. And so what does Focus 21 focus on? <laughs> so we focus on the companies that are ready to jump into the 21st century. Right. That's what 21 stands for. So really what oh, cool. we call ourselves an applied innovation company. We're looking for the companies that want to improve human condition in any way. I was always a passion, had a passion for software that improves human condition in any way. Okay, so break that down quickly for us. So uh, we're looking for these companies who have big goal and uh, want to start in a technology field and not necessarily maybe know how or how to build a scalable either SaaS platform or data-driven platform. Yeah, okay. Uh, so we have a framework to help them to get from zero to two, what we say, to the, all the way to, you know, having multi-million users and have, being cloud-native and being very competitive to Google and other big giants out there. Awesome. That sounds like a ton of fun. Yeah, it is. That's crazy. So um, when you talk about the human condition, can you be just a, like a bit more like what? Can you give us an example? Sure. So, I guess a little story. I started playing with computers since I was seven. Yeah. Okay. And um, um, it was in Moscow. So my uncle was one of the, like first developers in nineties, and uh, he used to work on big mindframes when there was no even um, human readable compilers and all that stuff. Right. Right. So, um, so he had a few computers at home. And he started uploading like simple IT tasks to me. Right. <laughs> like, he, didn't wanna, <laughs> he didn't want to do that. So and obviously I got to play games after I got him done. So I was sure. motivated by playing games, but I really got into I, different IT tasks back then. Then when I was twelve I got my first personal computer and lots of other friends started getting them. But right. in nineties in Russia you didn't really have an official software store stores or anything like right, that. Right, 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 yeah. <laughs> Everything was pirated. So okay. you go to this, we call book markets, and you <laughs> buy these CDs from, I think it was a FIDO network back then. I don't know how they got all the software. So you, you essentially had pretty, you had to have pretty decent knowledge of some basic IT commands to even compile a game together right, and right. stuff like that. So I became very popular <laughs> among my friends. You get they're hooked up with games. Yeah, all over the to, place. to come over, either fix their computer or you know get the game going. So that's kind of how I started my interactions with computers. And then when I came to Canada, I had an opportunity to go for software engineering. So after two three years, I think uh, one of our professors, uh, when we we're like it was graduating year, started talking to us. Well, you guys 
now you kind of possess this magic of software development. Yeah, okay. What do you want to apply it to? And right. he kind of laid it out for us. Like, it's it's such a broad spectrum. You can go to simulations. You can go to entertainment applications. You can go to gaming. You can you do name it. software. Like, it's just so broad. You yeah. can do embedded software, right? And at that point, I realized... And he also told us about the reality about gaming industry because I think a lot of young uh, developers uh, under 12 they they get into computers like I did for, right like they want to play games and yeah. hey I want to make games and then uh, when you actually start writing some you understand oh actually that's pretty pretty challenging um, domain and it's pretty competitive and what's the end goal and I kind of realized I love games and I play games but I also realized that like we possess this magical power of you know creating new software that's supposed to improve the world but entertainment industry has such a high dollars value right versus software that does something useful right so <laughs> the so, irony so that kind of like was an eye-opener for me and I wanted to like yeah it's probably not as cool as gaming industry but I want to try first uh, job at something that actually does something good right so that's uh, where I went to work for Jeff and he was building outbreak management systems it's a data-driven system that essentially help to detect abnormalities and outbreak and I thought that's oh that's cool that's actually affecting and might save uh, save lives yeah big time that is definitely and, and that's where I got, got a kind of philosophy and passion behind focus 21 and uh, that's the philosophy that we both share and we try to find companies that improve human condition in any way epic so that's kind of the story behind that. that's a cool story man appreciate you sharing no problem so four years ago two people yep today 30 yep that's got to hurt a little going through that kind Oof, of growth absolutely so what happened like how, how well i haven't going? slept for 12 months <laughs> <laughs> i don't even doubt Actually, that no, like, seriously getting, that sounds accurate. better yeah well, um, yeah, well, we, we kept doing a good work, like just normal stuff, you know, you over-deliver, constantly over-deliver, and um, at the start, you kind of trying to do everything you can just to uh, sustain your company, and then philosophy and mantra comes in, and you start narrowing down your focus, so we started more focusing on health, because that's something my, uh, my co-founder, Jeff Armini, has PhD in stats, and He's an ex-veterinarian. Like he, he knows a lot about health field, and yeah, okay. I gain knowledge a lot by working together on different health projects over the eight years yeah. with him. So we started focusing more on health, and yeah. um, oh, trust me, health industry needs a lot of help. Right. So we started getting a lot of work and a lot of interesting projects to work on. Cool. Also, some other sustainability projects came came um, came around. So essentially, it's a data-driven platforms that improving either a certain process or making decision-making faster. Awesome. So one of the examples, one of the clients in Toronto, was a, it's a group called WCCD, World Council, World Council on City Data. Right. So they create an ISO standard, and their vision is if every city in the world collects the data according to the standard, right. then we can start comparing city. Epic. And... Cities benchmark them, and it's going to be proper benchmarking yeah, because they me. all collecting data in the same way. <sighs> and That's a big vision, man. So yeah, and we 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 helped them to get the to the first step. We created a very interactive digital platform 
you can go check it out, dataforcities.org. Epic. And I think they started with 20 cities, and now they're signing signing up about 300 or 500 this year. Huge. Yeah. That is so cool. And that was the passion, you know, like when you team up four or five to to help companies like them yeah. be as competitive as, you know, Microsoft was playing in that field. Uh, Google wasn't so much, but again, that's... That's kind of that's fun. That's what we're looking for, and, and impactful, right? That's really mm-hmm. cool. So, um, you know, the the biggest kind of purpose of this platform, I'm in a car, is to learn from entrepreneurs and grow your business. Okay. So, you know, going from two people to thirty uh, in four years, you know, that's got to hurt. It's going to break, and there's yeah. going to be a whole bunch of kind of growth and growing pains along that road. So what's kind of something that you've done that, you know, you've learned or has helped with that type of growth, mm-hmm. whether it's with clients and onboarding or whether it's with staff or sure. anything? Sure. Um, number one, what really helped it was us. We joined with, um, we also have, so we have traditional Focus 21 services line when we do professional services for other companies. We also have Focus 21 products that we build our own products. So when uh, about, I think, yeah, about four years ago, we joined Communitech with one of our products called yep. Health and Safety Watch. And I think that was very important for us because we joined from the perspective of like, hey, here's what we know, here's what we don't know. How can we learn what we don't know very fast? Sure. And I'm a big fan of hands-on learning. Uh, I went to college. I couldn't afford U of W. Uh, and college is really hands-on. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think what really, really helped, well, first was being at a community tech surrounded by the people who have similar problems and then meeting with the uh, mentors and advisory panel there. So through community tech, we made a com- connection with Alan Quarry, who's a great, great local entrepreneur, and he helps a yeah, lot of startups, and he really, really cares about community. So... When that happened, I just came to him. I, I went to him and it's like, Alan, we need help big time. <laughs> We're growing, uh, things are going well, but we don't want to screw it all up. So right. he definitely, he helped us. Like, so, you know, just even having somebody who you can trust and we knew him for some number of years. Right. Uh, so when that happened, having somebody we can trust guiding us through the process was amazing. Just somebody who had, um, who had uh, answers for us for, because uh, he's, he's been through this. Yeah, yeah. I guess, and also like joining tech, I joined tech and Vistage, and um, that's, uh, for those who doesn't know, it's it's a group of, uh, again, small business entrepreneurs grouped by revenue that they make a year sharing similar problems. So that was very, that was a very good move. So surround yourself with people who, who who's done it, yeah. who you can trust, and ask them, and, you know, don't be... Don't be cocky that you know it all and just be honest with yourself and ask questions that it's cool <laughs> but, though you know I think you an action on them right and what's interesting is they can tell you like one a white playbook it's not like hey here's the book just do this right obviously your company is gonna be a little bit different uh, but general advice is just just having somebody who's there is gonna help uh, so he kind of told us like keep an eye on the culture and I think that's was very important to uh, create an onboarding process and really not to tell people what we do, but more of a why we do it. Cool. So you would attract people who not necessarily, because you still like, even if you growth mode, you, you can't afford super competitive salaries like Google. 
and that's why you have to like as you grow in startup and you move into this growth stage you have to look for people who share the value of the mission yeah that's cool otherwise so I mean there's just to unpack a couple of things you just said there because I think there's some really really valuable lessons one is ask for help yep I think a lot of people um, either maybe are um, a little bit too confident in their what they think they know uh, but some people also just maybe don't want to burden other people but I think that you know to your point there are organizations like Communitech or any of research innovation center that can actually help you through providing a support mechanism where you're actually encouraged to ask for help and uh, I know in my experience it's probably been a couple of instances where I've asked for help maybe a little bit too late and I mean I've learned my lessons but I think that's a huge one and the second one that you mentioned there was um, mentorship Mm-hmm. You know, really finding other people that have been through what you want to go through. And I think that is remarkably valuable. Oh, absolutely. So if you're real about your thing, you have to find a mentor. That's cool. Everybody, like, I don't know, every, everybody I think famous, you know, they all had a variety of mentors through their life. You have to. Big time. You can't know it all. You just can't. And the last thing you mentioned there that I thought was really cool and something that we believe in in a big, big way is is focusing on why you do what you do and the value of what it is you're trying to, you know, put a dent in the universe with mm-hmm. uh, in order to recruit people that, you know, believe in what you believe in and aren't necessarily doing everything for the almighty dollar. Yep. And so what what kind of things have you done on that last note uh, to bring that thing to life? You know, and it's one thing to have a, a, a poster on a wall with a statement on it that could be of meaningful value or not, depending on what company you go through. But outside of that, what kind of things have... have has Focus 21 and you done to bring why you do what you do to life? Um, well, first of all, I'm, I'm very honest um, on, the inter- on the interviews. So um, I actually, def- like when we went from 6 to 15, I had to conduct 100 interviews in two weeks myself. <laughs> in person. Marathon, no wonder you're not sleeping. So what I've learned really quick is... <laughs> It's just simply I didn't have time. I got to the needs of it, and I was just like really honest. I'm like, look, you gotta work your your, your butt off here, and all, like all the reality. But yeah. like, here's why we do it, and like, you're either in or, or not. Like, right. I was just being transparent without trying to pretend who we're not and just saying who we are. Uh, that's that was one thing. So still, and I'm a big fan of Elon Musk, and I think I read it in his book, and that really stuck with me. So it doesn't matter whether we're going to be 300, 500. Um, I'm still going to be doing, like, if we're hiring a person, I want to have at least 20-minute interview with them. So that's what he did, too. So that's, I think that's that's very important for you not to create a hierarchy of a pyramid when, like, as organization grows, you don't ever know. Right. <laughs> like the people being hired and like that's that's not cool. Yeah, like, and especially if you don't know the person that's hiring the new person, yes. then you're really disconnected. Then you have a you have a big big problem because yeah. the how like do you, it's just from the even communication perspective, how can you rely on different layers not to alter the vision that the broken you, telephone that, that you had. Yeah. So yeah. so that's one being honest transparent on the interviews and talk a lot about values. Second is I prefer to still be very on the floor with engineers and designers and everybody. So right. not to, like even we moved into new offices on purpose. I, I want a desk on the floor and I want to, I, I would always want a desk on the floor. Just stay in tune. Just so people can just stop by and talk. Like 
you'll be surprised once you're in office you know and the organization grows they're like oh they will portray oh rob is a big boss i shouldn't bug him <laughs> but if you're just sitting right there there and and there might be some important decisions being made right? all the time man it's so funny so, you say that too we have a very open uh concept two floors and uh, the only um rooms we have in our office are actually the lunch team room and meeting rooms mm -hmm. otherwise everybody is fully uh, open and accessible at all times and it has a bit of a distraction uh, factor to it but it definitely keeps everything really approachable and accessible so it's neat you, it's neat you mentioned that and then I think um, you kind of you kind of deliver the vision you plant the seed but really um, empower a team to enhance on that vision and add to it because if it's just a dictatorship we're going over there, it's not going to work. So talk about that quickly then. I mean, um, a lot of people probably understand at some rational level that the leader's job is to cast a vision and, and institute the idea of what this company's trying to do and where it's going, uh, but then making it so that you can empower your people to improve that vision and, and you know, tweak it. Uh, what kind of things are you doing as a team to, to make that happen? Um, making sure that they can truly make a mistake. <laughs> so talk about that. So people, people talk about, oh, let your people do mistakes and lots of leaders. And what I realized, and I was guilty of that too, uh, it's not easy to offset the tasks. As a leader, your, your responsibilities change, like as you grow, right? When you were four people, you were doing, uh, you were- Everything. Like, you were doing everything. You were sales, you were project management, sometimes you were even developer and Accounting. you everything, account, right? <laughs> so as you grow and like some of like you can't do all of the things very well. Some of them you did excel at. Otherwise the business wouldn't be around. Right. So but the thing is like you're excelled at it, like you you probably can now um, um, focus on something else the company needs. So your attention needs somewhere else to really enhance that. So Passing over somebody something that you did good to somebody to do it better, it's very hard. Yeah. People talk about it, but like me telling like, oh Eric, okay, tomorrow I really want you to leave Focus Twenty One. Yeah. yeah. Like most likely you're gonna make some expensive <laughs> from the money point mixed mistakes. Yeah. And people are afraid of it. Sure. And uh, we had few situations that I remember like there was some mistakes and client were like, okay, well we we don't. We're on the verge of quitting you guys right and we just onboarded them and like just be getting back to the client and like figure out what the situation and saying hey um, I still we're still backing up this person because we believe they're they have a great potential you have to just trust us because we're your technology partners it's just a small <laughs> things and let's look over it let's see what happens next yeah and that's really makes an effect on the team and they're like hey I made a huge mistake might have cost company tons of money. <laughs> probably, they, probably they backed did. me up. Yeah. Obviously, if I do three or fours, I'm gonna get. <laughs> There's gonna be some fired. kind of consequence yeah, eventually, but, but still. But I like that's my way of showing the trust and really putting responsibility back on that person. That's cool. And it's, uh, you know, I think what you said is accurate in that there's a lot of people that talk about the idea of creating mm -hmm. a culture where failure is okay, but actually letting that happen and it being real is a totally different thing altogether. It's like, you know, letting your kid to fall on the bike. Sure. And you, has know, to he, you know he or she is going to fall and there's going to be some injury. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's bound to happen. Yeah. And they'll never learn. It's like, it's the same thing with fire, right? Like uh, a human being doesn't know fire's hot until they touch it. And you can tell them till you're blue in the face, but there's a human condition 
that says, uh, oh, ah, okay, yeah, what they were saying is actually accurate. Yep. It takes that mistake to make the learning actually yep. happen. So that's super cool. So, uh, you know, I mean, you've been doing this four years, you've grown to 30 people. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty exponential growth. Um, if there, if there's one thing that kind of sticks out to you over the last four years that you've learned that you wish you knew four years ago when you started this whole thing, or you'd want to share with entrepreneurs that are starting their own business or about to hit growth mode, what would that be? Um, get ready, get ready for a tremendous amount of pain. And, <laughs> and my challenge was trying to get, like, I was still being a little bit get rich quick mentality and it's really, really crippling. So you have to be super patient. Like you have to, it's like, Hey, I'm going to be tons of pain and most likely I'm going to lose. That's kind of mentality, but, um, I might win. Right. So just yeah just being prepared for it and first successes uh don't don't get too high on them because the, the next problem is just around the corner and right just uh yeah well it's interesting you know a lot of people talk about this idea it's a marathon not a sprint oh yeah like it, it, it's like you know and i think gary v talks about it a lot uh, people like some entrepreneurs think i'm, I'm 22 i'm gonna launch a startup in two years if it's not $10 million, I'm going to quit. <laughs> I'm going to do this. Uh, I'm going to try another startup. And, but really, they should be like, no, I'm the, the, the real thing it should be, I'm going to spend next 10 years yeah. try to build one company. Yeah. That's more realistic approach. Cool. And well, if, the thing is, and if by, by 30 or 35, I can decide something. But like really giving yourself enough buffer for what's realistic. And 10 years on starting a business, even if it fails, you're going to get the best MBA that you could possibly get. Exactly. Your life. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Really, really like op being open-minded for experience. Well, and the thing is too, like what I was saying about, um, you know, people say business and, and, and life and success is a marathon, not a sprint. Marathons hurt. They suck. And you don't yeah. see anybody end a marathon like, let's party. <laughs> like they're hurting. Like, and it's, there's it's, tons it's, of preparation comes and, into and it, tons right? tons of pain. And, yep. Yeah, that's cool. I really appreciate that perspective. That's awesome. Well, thank you for doing this, Ilya. No it was an Thanks, absolute Rob. pleasure. Thanks, guys. We'll uh, see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye.